Greetings and salutations and welcome once again to the Trash Fire of Talk podcast with your host, Skits M. Jones. I am said host, Skits M. Jones. This is my podcast, but you already knew that. Thanks for tuning in once again. Um, we've got some, some listeners out there who have been checking out every episode, and for that, I thank you. If you are new to the podcast, feel free to go back. Uh, none of them are really time-sensitive, other than maybe our WrestleMania preview. Uh, but if you've managed to avoid WrestleMania spoilers, then by all means, carry on. Um, oh, what are we going to talk about today? Something that's been on my mind is uh, the Dunning-Kruger effect and imposter syndrome. Uh, for those who are unfamiliar, the Dunning-Kruger effect is the uh, self-ideation, the, the thought in your head that you're very good at something, uh, or even just thinking you're better at something than you really are. Uh, you're, we all have skills that we overestimate um, how skilled we really are at them. Uh, and then imposter syndrome is kind of the inverse of that. It's thinking that you don't really belong in the position that you are currently in, thinking that you are not as good uh, as the, the place that you're at. Um, it's something that especially a lot of, uh, working people in higher offices and things like that, uh, tend to feel, uh, that one of these days they're going to be found out that they're not actually skilled at their job or at their chosen task. And once everyone finds out, then it's all going to come crumbling down. It's all going to be all over for them. And it's, wild these two mindsets because I think we both experience them uh, from time to time. I mean, I, I know I certainly do and I certainly have recently. Uh, I had some moments of, uh, of doubt in myself, um, you know, thinking uh, that all of the, the little successes that I've had were all kind of flukes and, you know, maybe I didn't really earn them. Maybe I didn't really deserve them. Maybe I didn't really belong. And the, the peer group that I was finding myself in, uh, it was just kind of luck and happenstance that got me there. And it wasn't really any sort of skill on my part. And once everyone realized that, the ride would be over. Um, and, you know, it, it, it happens especially when there's a, a lull in bookings, you know, a, a uh, as a performer, the moment there are no more shows on the table, the moment you, you run out of, of stages to be on, you start to question, oh, was that, was that the ride? Was that it? Was that all that I was going to get? Uh, did, I, did I max out my potential and is it over now? Um, and I realize I'm super early in, especially in, in the comedy front when it comes to that. Um, you know, looking for more stages to be on and more performances to do and, you know, questioning my skill set. Because um, I had a run there where I was doing, you know, a, a, a show a week uh, or every every couple of weeks, you know, between the music and the wrestling and the comedy. And I just had a nice solid run. And then that that sparkle crash, which I've talked about on previous episodes, which is that come down after a run of good performances, uh, especially, you know, 
once you're at the end of that run of performances, you're really hitting your stride. You're really feeling yourself. And once that ends, uh, the imposter syndrome kicks in. And then you start thinking, oh, was I suffering Dunning-Kruger effect? Was I thinking I was very good? But in reality, I, I wasn't. And then the imposter syndrome kicks in and it's like, oh, maybe... Uh, you know, maybe I didn't belong. Maybe I don't belong here. Maybe I'm not good enough. And I think as a performer, those are anxieties that are natural and common. Um, I think only the most delusional performer thinks they're good all the time. More performers I know come off stage after a set or get out of the ring after a match or get off the, the, the stage after the, the music is quieted down and go, oh man, oh, that sucked. Should have been so much better so many more things I could have done, you know, and then if you go back and you rewatch footage or you rewatch, uh, you know, tape or, or you listen, uh, and you, you hear things or you see things and you're like, Oh, I could have done this better. I could have done that better. I really shit the bed on this one. Um, and it's, it's easy to get in your head and really question how skilled you may or may not be. Um, but then there are some, some, performers out there who think they are just dynamic 24 seven. Uh, and I, I wonder if maybe some of that is that ignorance is bliss thing. Cause the people who are the most cocky tend to be the ones who, uh, are, are doing the roughest. You know, if, if you, there are some people who are totally the right level of self-aware, like if they crush, they know they crushed. If they fail, they know they failed. And you know, if, if you go out and you crush and you know, you crushed, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, that's cool. I don't want to make it sound like if you're out there thinking you crushed, uh, you're a delusional uh, maniac who needs to be put in their place. It's not that. Um, but if you if, if you're out there thinking you're crushing 24 seven, you know, especially if you're not reviewing and you're not going back and you're not looking at, at ways to improve, I think you're doing yourself a, a disservice, um, you know, because that's where complacency can can sink in and, and where performance can start to drop off because if if you're just like eh I'm good I don't need to worry about it all the time um then you're probably not putting your full effort in if that makes sense um but yeah so I I had a run where I I really thought maybe I'm just maybe that was it maybe I'm done and uh you know it's easy to get in your head when you have uh depressions and, uh, anxieties and, and, uh, you know, especially in a, in any sort of performance art where you need the approval of an audience. Um, and as, as soon as that dries up a little bit, it's like, oh, that's, that's the end. Um, but then I got like a handful of shows that suddenly popped up and now I'm right back to like, oh, maybe I'm, maybe I'm all right at this. Maybe I know what I'm doing. Maybe I'm, Maybe I'm good. Maybe I'm, you know, doing something right. Uh, I think that's kind of the main drive. Am I doing something right? Am I putting myself out in the right places? Am I doing what I need to do when I'm on stage? Um, I just uh, did a, a show at Comedy Shrine uh, with a, a series of performers who who did absolutely wonderful. I cannot say enough good things about Chris Kimbrough. Uh, he was one of the, the first comics of the night. And uh, there was uh, a couple in the audience who were celebrating uh, one, one uh, 
the, the woman's birthday and she was just raucous, uh, through, through a good portion of his set. And, you know, in an eight minute set, if you're spending, you know, two minutes, three minutes, uh, dealing with, with someone that can really derail things and really kill, uh, what you're trying to accomplish in a short set of time. And he absolutely handled her, handled the rest of the crowd, kept everyone on board, didn't turn anyone against anyone, but definitely made it known that it was his stage and he was going to do it. Uh, he, he crushed in my opinion. Um, and that, that was fantastic. Uh, uh, the, the show was a game of microphones, which is a, a weekly Thursday showcase, uh, competition at Comedy Shrine in Aurora. Uh, it's a fun show. I actually, uh, I won that night, uh, of the competition, um, which, uh, that's not my second win. So I'm, I'm, uh, I want to say 50, 50 in wins and losses at, uh, at Game of Microphones, but uh, something I'm excited to say is uh, I will be coming on to host Game of Microphones in May on on uh, Thursday, May second. I'll be I'll be hosting that show, and I'm looking forward to that. Uh, hosting is a, a wildly different skill set, um, you know, and as, especially in comedy, I've I've hosted a couple open mics, uh, one at Comedy Shrine, one at Mojo's in in uh, in Plainfield, uh, and um, both were, both were very fun. Uh, the, the comedy shrine, that was my first comedy hosting and I, I felt a little rough coming out of the gate, but definitely started to feel better about it toward the end. Um, cause I'm, I'm way more used to hosting the wrestling shows, you know, cause I, I am so familiar with that. Like I know what I'm doing there. Um, and it's a, a different, you know, I'm, I'm in gimmick at, at wrestling. I, I have my persona that I'm, I'm performing and I know what that persona does. And I think that's something that I'm really growing to adapt, uh, to comedy is, is what is my onstage persona, you know, cause that you can only be so natural and truthful on stage, uh, because once you're on stage, it is a performative art. So there is some element of, uh, of, of artifice of, of, uh, manufacturing of a personality that's going to happen. And I'm, I'm really starting to, I, th I think, uh, you know, and maybe, maybe this is that Dunning-Kruger effect. Maybe I'm thinking I'm getting it and someone would easily turn around and be like, no, nah, you're not even close. Um, but I, I think I'm starting to figure out what I'm doing up there. Uh, so I'm looking forward to, to, doing that hosting thing. I think it's going to be, it's going to be wild. And then I've got my first show in the city coming up. Uh, and I'm, I'm really ex excited and nervous for that because I've never done stand up in the city. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to be doing, uh, Steph's Darling Parlor at Elbow Room, uh, on Thursday, April, I think it's the 25th, uh, whatever that, that 20s, uh, April Thursday is, um, I'll get it right when we get closer to that. I drop a couple podcasts a week. There's time for me to figure it out. Um, but yeah, so doing my first set in the city and, um, 
you know, that's, that's going to be wild. It's at Elbow Room, which is uh, a venue my band has performed at. So it, it's not like I'm unfamiliar with the room, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how that goes. And I'm, it's the first show that I've been booked on, um, uh, without the person having like previous knowledge of who I am or, or what I do. It was a, a clip submission and a bio and, and that deal. Uh, and it's wild sending out clips. Um, uh, you know, cause when you're in a scene, the people are familiar with you. They've, they've seen your goods, your bads. Uh, they've seen the growth. They've probably talked to you in person, um, have a, a feel for who you are and whether or not they want to work with you. Um, but then for a show where you're just submitting, uh, they have no context for you. So it really does rely on the quality of what you did on that stage in that clip that you send. And whether you fit the bill of what they're looking for, for that uh, particular, you know, show, that time and place. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to want to look at everything in a, uh, you know, be more like Nicolas Cage kind of a mindset when it comes to performing. Because um, there, are, there are times when someone wants a Nicolas Cage and there are times when someone doesn't want a Nicolas Cage. But Nicolas Cage does what Nicolas Cage does. And, you know, for the people who are into that, they are going to ride or die for that Nicolas Cage thing. Um, and so it's just a matter of, you know, this is what you are. This is what you do. Uh, the people who are into it are into it. The people who are not, whatever, they're not your market. They're not your demographic. And, you know, you don't need to be everything for everyone. If you have your thing, that's the thing. Um, you know, Nicolas Cage, for better or worse, has a thing. Uh, and I love Nicolas Cage. I think Nicolas Cage is great. Face Off is one of my favorite movies of all time. Drive Angry is a blast. Uh, he was entertaining as Ghost Rider, you know, whether those movies were good or not, it was, you're never not entertained watching Nicolas Cage on a screen. Um, Mandy is a goddamn masterpiece. If you have not seen Mandy, it is one of the best movies of last year. Uh, definitely one of my favorites. Um, yeah. So whether it's with the band, you know, cause I, I know, what I'm like on stage. I, I'm a more performative singer, a more performative vocalist. I, uh, you know, gesticulate wildly and I, I move around the stage and I, I'm theatrical and not everyone is going to be into that sort of thing, especially in the metal genre. Um, you know, there are people who just want to see, uh, a band, you know, do the, the technical thing. And I'm, I'm not, technical. I am, uh, theatrical. That's what I want to bring. Cause I've always been of the, the mindset that if you're on a stage, um, be doing something worth looking at. And that's what I try to do. I always try to, uh, you know, I, I want to look good on stage. I want to, uh, catch your eye. I want you to be watching to see what I'm going to do when I'm on stage. Um, because I, I, it would be easy to just stand there and sing. Um, but it's another thing to make you want to watch me. 
Uh, and that's always what I've been drawn to. I've always been drawn to the, the theatricality of performance. You know, there, there's a reason that Bowie is Bowie. There's a reason that Prince is Prince. There's a, a reason that certain performers transcend and become something more. Um, and I'm not, I'm not, you know, stroking myself off here and trying to put myself in that category. I'm just saying that's where I draw my inspiration from. I want to be the type of performer that you want to look at, uh, that you want to watch. You know, that's why I, I, you know, have adapted the, the more flamboyant outfits in addition to it, just being more true to who I am as a person. Um, you know, I know there's people, especially whether it's in metal or whether it's in comedy, I used to really butch it up. You know, I was a very, uh, you know, jeans and t-shirt or work shirt, or I was wearing battle vests with the band. And that's not who I am, really. That's not what I am. That's not what I do. You know, I'm flamboyant. I'm boisterous. I'm, uh, uh, my fiance called me a peacock. Uh, and she's probably not wrong, you know. Um, so, yeah. Be, I think every performer should be more like uh, Nicolas Cage, you know, especially when we're all kind of trying to find, uh, our audience, you know, figure out what your thing is and do it and do it big and do it crazy and do it wild. And you will find, uh, the audience. I talk about finding audience a lot, you know, uh, on this podcast and I, I hold to it. I, I, I think it's, um, the thing we all, should focus on is how do I get the eyes on me that need to be on me for me to be successful at what I do. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I went through to get back to the original point. I went through a little bit where I was like, eh, maybe that was the ride and maybe I'm, you know, uh, needing to, to reassess my skill set and, and figure out you know, what I'm doing. And, and I, I probably always will. There will always be uh, times of reassessment and, and reflection and, all right, this is where I'm at now. How do I get to the next? How do I get to the next after that? How do I get to the next after that? Because um, it's true that my goal is to no longer need a day job. My, true, my, my, uh, my drive is to be a performer for a living. And how do you do that? Um, you know, and the plan is get get on shows, get more things that pay, get more gigs that that afford me to be able to to uh, have the time. Because that's you know that's the thing. There's a certain amount of investment, whether it's time or travel or uh, whatever, to be able to do this and uh, to really have the time to devote to it. You need. Uh, a, some amount of success at the thing so you can cut down on the thing that's prohibiting you from doing it. You know, day jobs can be prohibitive, you know, schedule-wise and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, it's all work in progress. And, uh, you know, between wrestling and, and the band and comedy and this podcast and any other creative endeavor that I can get underneath me, that's the goal. Um, and I think we all should be aiming for, you know, 
whatever level of success you want. You know, if, if you want to do this for a living, start setting out goals, start setting out timelines, start making a plan. Like what are the steps you have to take in order to be able to do the thing? Um, and you know, have your list of priorities, what things are you willing to give up? What things are you not willing to give up? Um, you know, think about those things because those all will play into how far you're able to go, you know, because only there's only so much luck and most of luck is just being in the right place at the right time. And the way that you get to be in the right place at the right time is you just be in as many of the places as much of the time as you can be. Uh, that's that's how that works. There's no there's no shortcut. Um you know, there's no, uh, you know, it, very, very, very few people are just discovered and plucked from obscurity. All of the, they fell into it magic stories, that's, that's manufactured to give everyone the belief that they could just not try and still make it. And the reality is, Everyone who was plucked from obscurity was probably struggling in that obscurity for some time before they were uh, found, you know, um, whether it was in previous bands or whether it was, you know, doing other things or being a, a theater kid or, or whatever it was. There is an investment uh, in developing the skill sets and there is an investment in being in the places and there is an investment in uh, performing as often as possible. And, uh, you know, if, if you, if you think that you're bad at it, keep working at it. If you think you're good at it, check yourself, uh, cause you, you have room for improvement. I have room for improvement. We all do. We all need to be working to constantly improve, be in competition with the performer you are now to be a better performer later. Um, uh, all right, that's that's the the hippy dippy. We're all gonna make it <laughs> ramble for today. I don't know. Um, it yeah, it's something that was on my mind because, like I said, I I went through went through a stretch where I and it was brief. It was brief. It felt like forever, but it was you know a week where I was like, oh, maybe that was it. Um, but yeah, if if you're a performer, I, do you relate? Is this is this a common, it feels like a common thing. Um, uh, let me know. Um, all right. I am going to take a break. Uh, when I come back, we're going to do recommendations and your tarot pull. So stay tuned for that. All right. And we are back. Uh, it's time for your recommendations. First up TV recommendation. Uh, I'm going to shout out the charmed reboot. That's right. The Charmed Reboot. Uh, I've been really enjoying it. I think it's a fun little show. It's, you know, uh, it's light, it's airy, it's, uh, it's snack food. You know, it's not, it's not a, a, a three-course meal. It's uh, just something to, to it's, it's soap opera-y, you know. Um, but so was the original Charmed. It was, you know, Monster of the Week and kind of light and fluffy. And this one is too, uh, but I'm enjoying the performances. I'm growing to like the characters, um, the overall 
level of uh, uh, graphics and CGI and uh, makeup and monster work is just as cheesy as it should be uh, for a, a CW show. Um, but yeah, I, I'm enjoying it. The first episode was admittedly a little ham-handed. Uh, it felt like they were kind of going to beat us over the head with, look how woke they are now. Um, so that, that first episode was a little rough. It it felt a little pandery. Um, but it's really growing into itself. I'm Like I said, I'm digging the characters, the relationships, the... Uh, the whole thing. And, and look, the, the original Charmed is great too. You know, I, I will always enjoy the, the Hallowell sisters, uh, you know, but there's, there's room for it to be retold. Why not? Uh, and so, yeah, get, if, if you've, if you've been a, the original series was so good, uh, how could I possibly watch the new one? A, the original was only so good. Like it was also snack food, you know, um, so don't, don't be too precious about things. Uh, go ahead and, and check new things out. Uh, why not? Um, speaking of checking out new things, the new track that I would like to recommend, uh, for this episode is, uh, by the band Pixel Grip. Uh, it is, uh, Can't Compete is the new track. It's off the album they just dropped, uh, that track is is in particular a bit of a banger. Um, they're kind of a, a a goth disco thing is is how they uh, uh, refer to themselves as a, as a as a band. Um, and speaking of which, I've actually met uh, one of the members of the band, John John, at Late Bar because uh, the members of Pixel Grip, I I think, do the uh, the the goth disco night at late bar on Wednesdays. Like, I think it's once a month or something like that. Um, I haven't been in, in far too long. Uh, cause Wednesday is also band practice for uncouth. So, you know, uh, it can be a little hard to get out there sometimes, but, um, yeah, check out pixel grip, check out goth disco night at late bar. Uh, it's great tunes that they play there. And speaking of great tunes, uh, the old track that I want to shout out is, uh, uh, the, the Black Sabbath cover, um, or it's, it's a cover of a Black Sabbath song. The song is super not, and the band is, uh, 1000 Homo DJs, which was, uh, Al from Ministry and Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails. Uh, there at, there are actually recordings that have Trent's vocals featured on it, uh, those are like B-sides that I think Wax Tracks dropped not too long ago. Uh, but the original version uh, that, that was released with Al on vocals is fantastic. Uh, it's actually a track that I used back... <laughs> this is embarrassing. I used to be a a, a yarder, a, a backyard wrestler, um, but not not really. It was a bunch of theater kids who would occasionally... Uh, like fall down on a mattress. Uh, that was, we weren't good. Uh, I became a much better wrestler when I actually trained to be a wrestler. Um, but all, all the same, that is a track that I used, uh, as a, as a entrance theme when I was a yarder and it's, it's a banger of a track. It's really good. Uh, so check that out. And now it is time for your tarot pull, and let's see what the cards want us to know right now. So, we have pulled 
the tower. Uh, I'm once again pulling from the Illust Tarot deck, and in this deck, the tower is represented by Fruza Balk's character, uh, Nancy, from The Craft. Uh, I have a soft spot for Fruza Balk, uh, and, and especially The Craft. The Craft is my, like, go-to movie whenever I'm feeling kind of in a, in a, in a way, uh, and I, I just need that, that familiar something, uh, the tower, uh, that, sorry, not the tower, the tower's the card, the craft is the movie I will watch nine times out of ten, um, I actually have, uh, like a, uh, a, a t-shirt collection just of shirts around the movie, the craft, anyway, um, you're kidding me, the, the, the individual doing tarot readings and talking about the charmed reboot and digging all the witchy stuff, is a fan of the craft? I know. It's, uh, who could believe it? Anyway, I'm getting away from <laughs> the point of this segment. So, the tower as a card uh, is all about, ooh, change. This is a card about change, and a lot of people are very afraid of this card because it can be a massive, chaotic upheaval. Uh, shaking everything to the ground. It really, it's a, it's a card about, you know, I've mentioned not being precious about things. This is a card about not being precious about some things. Some things need to end. Some things need to change. Some things need to begin. Uh, some things need to reverse course or change course or whatever. Um, and change is not a bad thing. Change is a constant. It is a thing that just will happen in life. Nothing gets to be the same forever. Uh, so don't be afraid of the tower when it comes up. Don't be afraid of change and don't be precious about things. Don't try and cling to something when it's really time for it to end or move or change or shift. Um, because that's, that's natural shit. That's part of life. Uh, so yeah, something in your life is, is changing and don't go against the current. Don't fight it. Uh, let change happen. Embrace change. Be good with change. And if you work with it, it will be, uh, less difficult in the long run, you know? Um, so yeah, uh, give into the, the, the changes in your life, roll with the punches Embrace the new shit. Don't be precious about the old shit. And uh, keep that in mind as you, as you go forward uh, with, with your day, with your week, uh, whatever. Thank you again so much for listening. I feel like in some part this is just me, uh, you know, talking about my personal goings-on uh, in, in the world and trying to be a performer and trying to uh, figure out my place in things and... You know, maybe some of y'all are going through it too. And, you know, if you're listening and you relate and you, you find, uh, you know, it reflects some of your experience, cool. Um, maybe it's something that is totally foreign to you. Maybe you're not a performer or maybe you don't uh, experience the, the same questioning or the same whatever that, that I do. And that's cool too. Um, whatever your experience is, uh, 
I didn't do the socials plug, so now's the time. Uh, hit me up with, you know, what you're going through, what you're experiencing, what you're liking about the podcast, what you don't like about the podcast. Hit me up on all the things on pretty much every one of the socials. I am at Skits Jones, S-K-I-T-Z-J-O-N-E-S. Uh, you can email me at Skits M. Jones, uh, all one word, S-K-I-T-Z-M-J-O-N-E-S at gmail.com. Um, yeah, let me know what's going on. Let me know if there's something you'd like me to talk about or, uh, you know, just to, to let me know, rate and review on iTunes. I know that's important. Uh, give, give us five stars that bumps the, the podcast up in the rankings and makes it easier for other people to find it and, uh, do all those fun things. And, uh, yeah, I've got some shows coming up. Uh, I know, uh, like I said, April, I want to say it's the 25th, uh, I will be at Elbow Room, uh, it's an 8pm to 11 show, uh, Steph's Darling Parlor, I'll be doing stand-up, uh, then on the 26th, uh, Kaiju Attack Wrestling is going to be in Bloomington, Illinois, at Station Saloon, that's our second show there, uh, the last one was great, this one looks to be great as well. Uh, the 28th Kaiju returns to Two Brothers Brewing Company in Aurora, uh, the, the Two Brothers Roundhouse. Uh, that show is going to be fantastic. I think front row seats are almost sold out. Uh, I, I, I guess there's like a, we're doing a, a front row section. Because um, usually the, the deal around Kaiju is you stand around the ring kind of a thing. But I guess there is there is always a seating section. Seats are almost gone. Uh, so, you know, if you want to sit, uh, close to the action, grab yourself a table, uh, tickets are, are on sale. Um, May 2nd, uh, I'll be hosting that game of microphone show that I talked about. And then May 31st, uncouth doing the doomed in stone festival. I'm so stoked for that. I'm going to talk more about that as that gets closer, but that's like a month and a half away. So we've got time. Um, all right. I've talked long enough. You've listened long enough. This has been the trash fire of talk. And as always, only one thing left to do, and that's keep that trash fire burning.